Welcome to summer. We have quite an interview for you today. You are going to hear from Lisa Kent, who is going to convince us all that you are exactly as you should be right now. Lisa is simply amazing. She is a mother of four. She is a fitness instructor. She's just shy of her 200 RYT credential in yoga. Lisa is a fitness manager and she is a writer. She has contributed to Como Magazine, the Columbia Tribune, and Huffington Post. You can find Lisa on her website at lisapullenkent.com. That's lisapullenkent.com, and we will include a link on our website to her as well. So without further ado, here is Lisa Kent. Friends Fit 40s is brought to you by Laura Mullenbrook and Stephanie Whiteman. This is a podcast about our fitness and wellness journey. We are two working moms who seek to live our best life. However, we are novices in the world of fitness. We are excited to share our ups, our downs, and our roadblocks. Our journey has led us to emphasize the value of friendship, cooperation over competition, and celebrating the small victories along the way. This podcast is an invitation for you to laugh with us and actively construct your best day today and then again tomorrow. Welcome to Friends Fit 40s. I am so excited to have Lisa Kent here with us today. She is one of those people that has inspired me my entire fitness life. And we've talked before about how we have heroes in a lot of different places. And sometimes those tangible heroes are the ones that we should admire the most. Oh, I know, right? right. They are, really are. They're the ones that are right in front of us. They're doing the hard work every day. And for me, Lisa is one of those heroes. She is a fitness instructor. She is a mom. She is a writer. She is all the wonderful things. Lisa, we're going to have you introduce yourself to us and to our audience. Well, first of all, let me thank you for having me and say I am humbled to be called anyone's hero. That's really, really um, kind of you. I moved to Columbia in 2006 from Austin, Texas, and have lived here ever since. The longest I've ever lived anywhere in my life, and I love this place. It has my heart. I I'm originally from Arizona, however, okay. so I had never moved this far east. Mm -hmm. I know we're the Midwest, but for me, I was a West Coast girl. I have been married for 26 years to my husband, Stephen. I have four kids, mm -hmm. two I had very young, and two I had at what we call an advanced maternal age. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, one of the big kids has kids, so I'm a grandma, too. I have three, oh, wow. three grandkids. That's wonderful. Lisa, Stephanie actually brought this to my knowledge because I wasn't aware, but she said that you have a background in music therapy. Can you tell us about this field? You bet. I, I love talking about music therapy. And for a long time, it was my passion and career with the big kids when they were. <laughs> I was a vocalist majoring in music, but I didn't want to teach and wasn't sure what I was going to do with a degree because I certainly was not going to be on the stage at the Metropolitan Opera. Mm -hmm. uh, when I found music therapy, it was the perfect fit of 
the music that I loved with working with people. So Mm -hmm. in layman's terms, music therapy is a modality in which we use music as a therapeutic tool. And that would be in non-therapeutic treatment goals with a variety of populations. For me, I worked with psychiatric patients in inpatient facilities. Okay. From children to adults um, with chemical dependency Mm -hmm. and depression and anxiety and non-reality-based disorders. And with music, you can create music, you can uh, listen to music. Um, We did all kinds of things to help facilitate their therapeutic process. Wow. That's really interesting. I didn't even know that that existed. So or that's that really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It's <laughs> it's part of adjunctive therapy. So you might have art therapy, yeah. recreational therapy, mm-hmm. drama therapy. Through the arts, people find other creative ways to address their treatment needs. Okay. Okay. Do you find yourself leaning on music then throughout your life to get you through some of the high times and the low times? I absolutely do. Music is still embedded in my Mm -hmm. soul, for lack of a better word. I mean, I think that's why I love fitness so much is because Mm -hmm. of the music. Even though I love music therapy in teaching group fitness classes, we have the melding of the music with the movement, with the connection Mm -hmm. of other people, with the powerful things that are going on because of all of that. And basically I had another way to express that love of music therapy and use my skill set, I guess. That's awesome. You said to us that fitness has been your salvation. What are some tips that you would give to somebody that hasn't quite figured that out yet? They're new to fitness. Maybe they're hesitant to get started. Maybe they're in their you know, 30s or 40s. This hasn't been their thing. I love that you just said that's not their thing, because when I was trying to define what is it that that not only grabs someone, but also keeps them coming back and keeps us succeeding, Mm -hmm. it's that you have to find your thing. Mm -hmm. So if you have a best friend who says indoor cycling is the best thing ever and you go and you don't love it then it might not be your thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to a body combat class and people are punching and kicking the air and somebody just loves it, another person might not. I think the biggest thing is to know that we might have to use sheer willpower and risk-taking to get out of our comfort zones and Mm -hmm. take that step across the threshold. Mm -hmm. Once you have done that, though, finding your thing is what's going to give you an intrinsic reward Mm -hmm. and keep you coming back. So I think any new endeavor is daunting because we think it's going to be that hard all along. But really getting started is the hardest part. I used to tell people in my 530 class, I said, you've already done <laughs> the hardest part is you're here. So now let's yep. just go. And, it, and it's, it was so true. Yeah. Research shows that the social aspect of group fitness mm-hmm. is significant to success. So you get the connection chemicals in your body, you get the endorphins, you have motivation and accountability. Your friends are there to push you, to pull you, to celebrate with you. And really the self-esteem that you get Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. doing something that you didn't think you could do, exploring your potential, that's the biggest reward. And then all the other stuff will come too. So my biggest tip is to find what you love, find your thing. Mm -hmm. 
And then show up. Yeah. Right. right. And then show up. (laughs) Get yourself there. That's right. So Lisa, so you've mentioned that fitness and fitness instructor has been one of your many careers. And you'd said, you know, you're a mom and we're both moms. And we assume that a lot of our listeners are moms. And you talked about how when you were in your 40s, you were the mom to four, two bigs and two littles. And you managed to balance being a mom to four, working and doing this fitness. Like, tell us how you figured that out. Because I feel like the mom aspect is one reason that a lot of women will be their excuse not to work out. And so how did you do that? Because you you managed to do it and, and do it well. Oh, you're, you're kind. One thing I have to tell you is that I didn't... Once we moved to Columbia, I wasn't doing music therapy anymore. I was a full-time stay-at-home mom when we moved here. And actually, that for me is more of an impetus to go and find something external from the home because I just need that. Right. I've never been a really great, oh, it's the greatest job. I love staying home with small children. Um, You know, I did it twice. (laughs) And the second time around, we were here. My big kids were already out of the house when my little kids were in school age. So joining the gym was the first thing that I did when I got here. I became an instructor immediately, which was, I'm not sure that was even in my plan. It was a very (laughs) impulsive thing. Right when we first moved here, they said, we have a training this weekend and we need 10 people and we only have nine. And I went, oh my gosh, should I do it? Should I do it? I was scared to death and I did. I signed up and I, that was body step and Mm. it was back in 2006. Okay. So once I started teaching, I was fortunate enough that my job was also fitness, but I did take my kids with me. Thank goodness for the play centers. And I've always (laughs) felt like the best thing a gym can do is make moms comfortable and supported. So luckily... We had some great place in our workers. My kids loved it. They made friends there. You know, I just took them along. And then my teaching grew into personal training, doing boot camps, and then finally managing group fitness. So it really did work into almost a full-time job between all the, the different pieces of it. I think that, you know, there were times when it was tight, Mm -hmm. but I found that if I didn't work out, life was just as crazy and busy anyway. Mm. And I didn't have the coping skills that I had when I worked out. In fact, there's times when my husband used to say, don't you need to go work out (laughs) when you're you're grumpy? That's awesome when they can recognize uh, it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or my son said to my husband when he was probably 10, why is mom so cheerful in the morning? Because I would come, I come back from the gym just so prepared for the day, feeling really great physically, emotionally, mentally clear, energized. I don't know that I did any better job than anyone else can do because having had all these many children, I've done about every configuration you can do of full-time work, part-time work, mothering, balancing, juggling. And I will tell you, there's not one of the variations that's easy. Mm. It's Mm. all, you're in the trenches when you're raising children. And maybe the the best advice I could give is to prioritize yourself Mm -hmm. and know that you're worth it. 
You know, mm-hmm. a lot of moms, if they, especially if they work full time, they feel really guilty mm-hmm. going to the gym after work because I've already had my kids gone all day right. and I can understand that. And maybe that solution will only work for them a couple of times a week because it's just too much. Or maybe, you know, that's why early mornings are so great for a lot of parents. Although I have, I used to have a couple who both loved early mornings and they traded off, <laughs> you know, one of them got, got the Monday, best time. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> the other got Tuesday, Thursday. And, mm. but I guess what I'm saying is there will be creative solutions if you mm. want it, if you find it beneficial, which I think most people do. Yeah. We, I think Stephanie yes. and I both agree. Yes, so we've found yeah. that ourselves. So you've talked about a bunch of different classes that you've taught, including being a manager of fitness. And yoga and mindfulness, I know, are an important part of your life. Uh, You have taught body flow, which is a yoga type class with additional things uh, added to it for 14 years. And then you also have told us that you've almost reached your 200 RYT credential, which is a big deal. We looked all that up and learned (laughs) that that is a lot of hours of yoga teaching. So what do you love about yoga? It's so trendy, isn't it? I mean, Mm -hmm. and we have to be careful about discounting something just because it's popular. Mm -hmm. I think yoga has come along in Western culture. And really, truly, the, the people that I teach with and take it respect the culture that it came from you know, rather than cultural appropriation, it's cultural appreciation, Mm. respecting and honoring the Sanskrit and the Hindu and and Mm. the, we can do the asanas, we can do the exercise and that's beneficial too. But then there are layers of it in the eight limbs of yoga, where we practice uh, a moral code of how to live and be in the world. And it's, it's a very universal golden rule type of mm-hmm. practice that can be laid over any belief system, any spirituality, but it enhances what I think all of us are seeking, which is that inner quiet and peace and knowing, especially in our world all before COVID mm-hmm. and now with mm-hmm. COVID, it seems like everything has amped up exponentially. So we're even more trying to quiet our minds, find our breath and just be in stillness yeah, we're, we're not really good at that. You know, as Westerners, we just no. don't find that naturally. In fact, I just was talking to you about how I ran here and ran there and mm-hmm. took the kids and taught this class. And while it was really positive and there were some great, great benefits, I also was burning out a little mm-hmm. bit. I was sometimes overtraining mm-hmm. my body. I was overextending my, oh, my commitments. I have found that in the gym, whether it be instructors or participants, we attract a lot of really amazing, high achieving, Mm -hmm. type A, active, smart, dynamic people. Mm -hmm. And with that comes sometimes over committing, overdoing, a tendency towards stress responses. And so the balance of yoga brings back this, Mm -hmm. a, a yin to the yang to switch over to another ethnic culture. There's a a calmness and a quiet, but also an acceptance of what is. Mm. So sometimes in our cardio and our weightlifting and our 
are cycling. We are striving, which is a great feeling, striving for something better or different or change. You know, I talk Mm -hmm. a lot when I'm teaching about transformation because that happens and it happens miraculously. But sometimes, and this yoga and body flow is where we can come back to, what if I didn't have to change anything? What if I was perfect Mm -hmm. the way I am right now and everything is fine? You know, sure, I've got problems here and things Mm -hmm. are not the way I would like them to be. But what if it was all okay? And and there's something really uh, transcendent now Mm -hmm. about having those epiphany moments. And we have them all the time unexpectedly. You know, you might have it live and in person in a class. You might have it on your own in your completely private practice or with a video um, talking about your experience with a friend. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've ended my class and I'm doing my namaste and thanking everybody. And I just, I, what did they say? in on Saturday night live, I get verklempt. (laughs) (laughs) I I get teary because I can't even use, I can't even find the words to describe the magic that happens. The sharing of our vulnerabilities with one another, the coming together in that sacred space. It's a very gentle, unspoken, but tangible energy. So, yeah, I I found yoga to be meditative, Mm -hmm. um, present moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, we have to be careful because something's popular to not downplay its Mm -hmm. impact. So present moment awareness, mindfulness. These are things that we hear bantied around, Mm -hmm. but pausing enough to really take that in and perhaps even experience the meaning of the word in in a class or in a practice gives it much more depth. Teaching yoga for me has been a joy. And for 15 years as an instructor, my experience has been that magnificent giving, Mm. giving. Of course, I get back from participants, but my my main role is to stand up front and, and just offer. I offer. There we go. I mm-hmm. offer something of myself. Well, in, during COVID, I had hip surgery. And not only did I experience my body needing a break and mm-hmm. having an, um, something that needed gentle care and repair and challenged my identity mm-hmm. as an able-bodied person mm-hmm. and allowed me to kind of sit in not being able to do a lot of things that I had been. And what an experience for me Mm -hmm. to find acceptance, to find, Mm -hmm. like I was saying, what if it was all exactly as it should be right now? And also to to find that whole continuum of experience. Mm -hmm. And this will go back to the question before about people coming into the gym. One of the things that keeps people away is thinking they're inferior somehow, mm-hmm. or they're not as good. They're not as experienced. They're not as uh, thin or athletic yeah. or whatever right. it is. And what I would want to do is, is take each person by the hand and say, honey, you're exactly as you should be right now. Mm-hmm. There's a whole spectrum of people here in this place. And I think we get intimidated walking through that door. Mm-hmm. And if we only knew 
that most people are more concerned about that same inadequacy. Most people there are encouraging to one another and just empowering. So having my hip surgery, not teaching for like a year. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, that really offered me the opportunity to kind of step back and, and yoga was a really important part of my personal journey, not teaching it, being, being a receiver. Mm -hmm. I think, I think you touched on our last question (laughs) because it was about challenges and you've just, you have overcome a, a big one, but do you have anything else? Stephanie and I talk a lot about getting through the gray days because since we're not in Arizona, we're, we are here in the Midwest. There are a lot of those. Do you have anything that you specifically do besides yoga? Because I'm sure that that helps to get through those moments. I love the way that you phrase that. You know, how do we get through the gray moments? Because I do have plenty of them. And I think having been in this, in this role, like I said at the very beginning, when Stephanie, sweet Stephanie said that I'm a hero, I think when we step into this role as a leader, it is very humbling to know that people look up to you. And as a participant, I started when my, my son, who's now 34, was born. Wow. I found aerobics. <laughs> and I found, you know, we wore, yeah. we wore all kinds of stuff back then. <laughs> And I haven't stopped since. I remember all those teachers who were so pivotal to me. Many of them didn't ever know how much they touched me or inspired me or <clears throat> literally gave me the the tools to change my life, right? At, at people are always going through things and our experiences in class are much, much more than that moment mm-hmm. and just exercise. There is so much going on. It's just magical. So I'm prefacing all this to say that people would be surprised, I think, because I am energetic and encouraging and Mm -hmm. nurturing as as a persona. But I struggle with depression, and I always have. And it is a chemical thing that's in my family. And so gray moments are familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say that I, I'm also very sensitive. So during this past year, especially when there's been so much collective trauma and grief and loss, as well as all the individual circumstances everyone's going through, I've felt a lot. So one of the, one of the ways I get through the gray moments is by for a long time, I fought my feelings, tried to quash mm-hmm. sadness mm-hmm. when it comes upon me because it can come very quickly. Mm-hmm. Listening to a news report, reading a post, talking to a friend, I-, I can find myself getting tearful really quickly. And I found that if we just allow mm-hmm. the disappointment and the hurt and the sadness mm-hmm. to surface, to feel it and let it run through us, that's the best way to let it move through us. Um, just like children, when they experience <laughs> their emotions, they're so right. powerful and overwhelming. And you guys are teachers, so you know yes. how quickly they can mm-hmm. you know, move on into something else. So I think embracing 
the beauty and the joy that exists simultaneously can only happen if we also let ourselves feel the legitimate sorrow when it comes up. A a gift of the pandemic, I think, has been to strip away our superficial cares Mm. so we can see what really shines and and what we want to keep. That's right. That's right. Yes, what we want to keep. So that's it. Don't you all wish that you had a Lisa in your lives? Oh, we're so <laughs> thankful we do. Thank you so much for the time that you've spent this evening just yes. talking to us and and telling us about your journey and the power of fitness and wellness for you. It's been fantastic. Yes, thank you, yeah. Lisa. Oh, you guys are the best. I love what you're doing. <laughs> thank Lisa one more time for taking the time to share herself and her words with us. She is simply amazing. She really is. She's so humble and empowers all of us to be our best selves. And I am inspired by her every single time I listen to her, I read her words, or I watch her teach. Agreed. So Laura... We have no theme song tonight for our homework because we're just too calm. Yes. But we do have homework tonight because we always have homework. Of course we have homework. And today our homework is going to be to dig into yoga. I think that's perfect. Lisa talked about how mindfulness can be this catchphrase right now. And so answering that question, what is it really? What are the roots? Where does it come from? Until next time, enjoy your week. Go move, breathe, share kindness with others. You got this. Do you love Friends Fit 40s? Subscribe to our podcast, leave a review and share the podcast with your friends. Tag us when you share so we know you are enjoying our work. Also, follow us on Instagram. Feel free to email us at friendsfit40s at gmail.com with your thoughts and comments. We'd love to hear from you. 